This is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. It's a new report out that comes from years of research in Detroit's immigrant neighborhoods. It's called Building Inclusive Communities, and it was conducted by Global Detroit in partnership with Alan Malik, who is author of The Divided City and Data-Driven Detroit. The impetus for the report was a heat map of tax delinquencies and foreclosures in Detroit, which highlighted several interesting things. One of which was that Banglatown, a Detroit immigrant community on the edge of Hamtramck, has remarkably low levels of distress compared to surrounding neighborhoods. The authors of the report found this remarkable and set out to digging deeper into the impacts of immigration at the neighborhood level. One of the report's authors is Steve Tabachman. He is the executive director of Global Detroit, and he joins me now. Steve, welcome back to Detroit Today. Good morning, Steve. It's a great day for my family on uh, Detroit Today, talking about voting rights and immigrants in neighborhoods. (laughs) That's right. Both covered. Both sides of the Tabachman household, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Um, So let's start by explaining what this study evaluated in terms of data. So we tried to take, this is one of the first studies of its kind, shockingly, actually, that looks at neighborhood-level impacts of rapid immigration growth. So we know that, you know, America has been receiving uh, rapid immigration relatively over the last 30, 40 years. You know, we've gone from, in 1980, a nation of about 6% foreign-born to uh, 40 years later, we're about 13.5% foreign-born. So we've doubled as a percentage of our conversation. And believe it or not, while there's lots of studies looking at immigrants and refugees and how they've integrated and how they've uh, done over time, very little has looked at a neighborhood, particularly an urban neighborhood in what we like to call a legacy city like Detroit. So that was the impetus. Like, what is immigration doing to our neighborhoods? Um, You probably know that Global Detroit launched in 2010 with support from you know, the local foundations and the Detroit Regional Chamber. And one of the reasons that these leaders, community leaders, embraced immigration was for the opportunities it might create for non-immigrants, U.S.-born residents in Detroit and the suburbs. And so we wanted to look at that, and we found really positive impacts. We looked at a variety of what urban researchers like Alan Malik call quality-of-life data. So uh, I'll briefly go over those if you want. Um Sure. So, um, you know, Mike Duggan, our mayor, has said that population growth is the number one metric uh, by which, you know, he should be judged. And both of these neighborhoods uh, experience population growth uh, because of the immigration loss. Um, and uh, they, we also asked residents, um, we randomized surveys, uh, how they felt about their neighborhood. And they reported a higher quality of life and sort of like, right direction trends for their neighborhoods than across the city. Uh, Housing vacancies, tax delinquencies, and foreclosures were lower. Eviction rates were only one-third of what they were in the city as a whole. Crime rates were significantly lower and declining relative to the rest of the city. And uh, there was a strong real estate activity, including home ownership. And this is an area that was really uh, interesting to look at. Whereas the rest of the city, uh, literally almost four out of every five purchases uh, is by an investor. Um, In these communities, uh, what we found was that um, 
uh, it was the reverse. Mm-hmm. Almost four out of every five purchases was by a homeowner uh, as opposed to an outside investor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last thing is, of course, you can see really significant retail revitalization. Uh, if you drive down Conant Street on the Hamtramck Detroit border, you can really see that it is a thriving commercial district. These are the two neighborhoods we studied, uh, the first being what we call Bangletown East Davison Village, which straddles Detroit and Hamtramck, um, and the second neighborhood being the Chadsey Condon neighborhood, which is kind of the northern part of southwest Detroit. Um, they had seen pretty rapid uh, immigration growth over the last 20 years, and um, but they're very low-income neighborhoods. They they really do look like the rest of the city of Detroit, and uh, and by that I mean, you know, you have something like close to you know 40, 50 percent of the kids there living in poverty, um, and that did not change. But what changed were all these other factors that suggested that um, indeed average residents in these neighborhoods were doing uh, a little bit better. Mm. So, so what's what's interesting to me in in the sort of overarching sense about this is that you know when we have discussions about immigration and hear from people who are hesitant to welcome uh, immigrants to our nation or to our community or, or or worried about it, they always talk about instability and they always talk about the idea that they they think immigrants equal instability or, or foster instability. And what this report shows, not just suggests, but, but proves, is that this, the communities that are the most stable, really, here in Metro Detroit, and especially in the city of Detroit, are communities that have a fair number of immigrants. I mean, it really does turn on its head that very idea of immigrants and their relationship to stability versus instability? Well, I think what Detroit, I mean, at the under, underlying, I like to think that racism is, is in, I believe, in uh, Thomas Agrew's origin of the urban crisis, mm-hmm. uh, is at the core of some of the challenges that Detroiters face, uh, and that persists today. But but really, depopulation is, is, the, is the, what I, the, the first kind of most tangible impact of that. And so, I think um, anytime you were able to bring more residents in, I agree with uh, Mayor Mike Duggan that you know more residents uh, can improve quality of life for long-term residents. Um, what I would say is unique about what we found in immigration is that the other strategies that we've seen to get more residents into a neighborhood, you know, those don't necessarily, those times are at the exclusion of the long-term residents who already live there. Mm-hmm. And we did not witness displacement in these neighborhoods. Um, you think about gentrification, right? Uh, people don't like to call it that when they're advocating for it, but bringing in wealthier residents, right? It does raise property values and it forces out renters and makes it untenable for, you know, or desirable for others to leave as well and changes the character of the neighborhood. Um, the other strategy is heavy investment, whether it be government subsidies, you know, and putting in projects or philanthropic ones to, you know, really invest in neighborhoods. There's nothing wrong. I mean, I think those are both good things and we'd like to see more of that. But at the same time, that's very uh, expensive and sometimes not sustainable. And what uh, what we found in these two neighborhoods with virtually no government involvement and very little nonprofit involvement is to... Um, neighborhoods that have begun to thrive. And it's really, we think that this is the cause is mm. that these immigrants have come and that 
you're absolutely right that the beneficiaries of this are not just the immigrants who are settling there, but the long-term residents as well. Mm. And, and in terms of policy recommendations that we might draw from from this, you know, obviously doubling down on the kind of things that the mayor has talked about, but but are there other things that we should be thinking about to try to, you know, spread this kind of stability and uh, and lack of instability to, to other neighborhoods in the city? There are, and that's a, a feature of the uh, of the study. One thing is, on your prior question, you, you mentioned, you know, uh, sometimes people think of immigration as, as destabilizing or, or um, but what we found is that um, while there was sort of peaceful coexistence in these neighborhoods, the level of sort of interaction and integration between different uh, ethnic groups and long-term residents um, was was pretty low. And so that's an area that uh, we didn't really expect to find, but came out saying, we need to really invest in social cohesion. You're absolutely right that, you know, immigration is not a zero-sum game. It's not that, you know, hey, if new immigrants are coming to the neighborhood, that's at the expense of others. We found quite the reverse. It's at the benefit of others. But we need to build bridges here between immigrants and long-term residents. And that's the probably the most surprising and number one recommendation that we we came out with. The second area was home ownership, and we think there are some really significant opportunities to connect uh, immigrants with uh, vacant properties for rehab and occupancy um, and use it and working with the land bank and others to do that. And we also think that, frankly, that's a strategy that can have tangible benefits for long-term Detroiters who are eager to see that. Um, there's a series of other recommendations that I would call basic welcoming policies. You know, Welcoming America, a group that we work very closely with, has developed a welcoming standard and how cities should be evaluated. And Detroit is going through that process. We've, you know, with Global Detroit's assistance, our city has is a national leader. We were recently ranked tied for number seven with San Francisco for welcoming policies. We have a mayor's office of immigrant affairs. We have a Detroit City Council immigration task force. We've created um, micro enterprise programs that work with, you know, Spanish and Bangla speaking residents and Arabic speaking residents. We have uh, a whole number of um, programs that put us at the forefront of immigrant integration. But I think these housing uh, recommendations and investment in social cohesion between immigrants and long-term residents are the two recommendations that stand out that um, I think were somewhat unexpected from our research. Hmm. Okay, uh, Steve Tabachman, Executive Director of Global Detroit. It's always great to talk with you here on Detroit Today. Thanks so much for coming by today. Thanks for having us. Okay, that is going to do it for us today. I want to th- say thanks to our student producer, Dan Netter, for his work on today's show. This is Dan's last week with us, and he has done some really, really great work with us throughout the summer. So hats off to Dan for today and for all the work that he has done for us on Detroit Today. Come back tomorrow when we're going to talk with Detroit Mayor Mike Duggan about the census, about public safety, about proposal and the big uh, demolition uh, bond that was passed last year, COVID and more. This is 1019 WDETFM, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.